Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. My guest and I agree that this is our absolute favorite week of the year. The angel of the big house, Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News, joins me in just a moment. First, let's get started as we always do with my view from Section 17. Indiana gave us a battle on Saturday, but it was a W. As Shea Patterson said after the game, you aren't going to roll people every week. Sometimes you have to grind it out. And we did. It was a physical game, and guys were dropping like flies in the second half. Chase Winovich was the biggest casualty. Will he be back on Saturday? We might not know until the defense takes the field. At any rate, it's time for the game. As Michigan fans, I think we're all tired of hearing how Ohio State has dominated this series, winning 13 of the last 14. The hard reality of the situation is, though, they have talked the talk, but they've walked the walk 13 of the last 14 years. Many of the games over that period have been close, and we've had our chances but we have not been able to get it done. It's time. It's in the shoe. The maniacs in scarlet and gray will be wound up, but so what? It's time. If we want this series to turn around, we have to go into Columbus and take it to them. I don't care if it's a one-point or a ten-point win. I just want a W. And I think I'm going to join Karan Higdon, Tom Brady, and many of you and predict we're going to go into that snake pit and put it to them this week. I just know we're going to go in there and get the job done. My guest today thinks we're going to get a W2. She doesn't like predictions, but she says she wouldn't be surprised if we won comfortably on Saturday. The angel of the big house, beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News, joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
back with us on our game day segment as we get ready for the game once again is Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Wonderful to have you back with us, Angelique. Mike, it wouldn't be uh, Michigan Ohio State Week without me talking to you, so <laughs> I appreciate and it. And we feel the same way, and as we say every year when we talk, Angelique, this is our absolute favorite week of the year, isn't it? It really is. I sort of feel like a kid. It's like, oh, I mean, you know, you just anticipate the colors and the, the bands and just the helmets. I don't know. It's just something, you know, when you grow up with it, like you did, like I did. I grew up in Ohio. Um, you just, this is the week that you're, uh, that hinges, everything hinges on it. And, and I love it. And, and that hasn't changed. And I'm glad that hasn't changed. I mean, it's always good to feel like a kid. And this week, I really do feel like one. Before we talk about the game, though, Angelique, I just wanted to back up to Saturday, talk about a few things. That Indiana game, a lot of fans walking away from that were a little bit antsy after watching that, but it was a W, just a choppy performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a a really excellent way to describe it, Mike. I mean, it was definitely choppy. Um, You know, for weeks, I kept saying, I thought, you know, I hate to say trap game, trap game, but I did think it it could be. I think Indiana's definitely improving. They're definitely on the way up, and they've got some nice pieces, and, and just a few pieces away from making becoming a difference maker and then having a chance to challenge in the division. I'm not saying at the top, but getting there. And, um, you know, even though they say they're focused, they're not looking ahead. I mean, I was looking ahead. So, you know, are they really immune to it? Maybe there was a little bit of, of, uh, of that from the Michigan players. But, you know, I think you have to also credit Indiana for, for the way they played. I mean, it wasn't just Michigan out there. So, um, yeah, I think Choppy's definitely, and, and I think that there are some concerns for sure, but there were also some, some high points for Michigan as well. No, absolutely. I think we've been spoiled as fans watching this defense all year, so you expect Don Brown and the D to just shut teams down each and every time out. But the Hoosiers gave that defense a workout, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. And, and that's when you're like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? And uh, you know, I think uh, you know they've got they've got a pretty good running back, and he's young and he's big. And um, I thought that their offensive line played really well against Michigan's defensive line. And um, you know, I, I you know I really do think Indiana is up and coming. And when I say that, I, I'm not saying that they are going to jump right into that top that top tier, but um, they do play hard. And and you know, Harbaugh kept saying. Look at these last three games. Look how tight they've been, the double overtime, the overtime, and then the, the, the close game. So he clearly respected what Indiana's mm-hmm. done and what they can do. And, um, you know, this was not going to be Rutgers again. This was absolutely not going to be that. And, and frankly, I think it was a good game for them to have before Ohio State because it reminds them that, you know, you, you're not perfect yet. And there are teams that can still give you a scare and a team that, that maybe you don't respect as much yet. And, and I think that's always good to have that little bit of a wake-up call. So, I, I mean, I thought it was a good timing for that. And then, of course, they came out with a win. So, they persevered. But, you know, six field goals is probably not what you want to take when you've had that many trips to the red zone. So, I mm-hmm. that, to me, was the most concerning thing. Well, one of the goals, as we talked about last week, was to uh, stay relatively healthy. But that is a very physical Indiana team, Angelique. And, uh, you know, players started going down right and left, it seems, in the uh, second mm-hmm. half. And, of course, Chase Winovich uh, was the biggest casualty. And I guess we're not sure of his status. Uh, I don't know what, as the, the week goes along, what, we'll, what we will learn. But he would be a huge loss. And that's an understatement. 
Oh, he'd be an enormous loss, Mike. Absolutely. I mean, just, you know, not to mention his, his playing ability, but his fire and what he brings to them emotionally. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unclear what the situation is with Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Harbaugh said x-rays were clear, CAT scan was clear, but that doesn't mean that there's not ligament damage or something like that. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't read scans, and but that's my impression. So, um, you know, we'll know more this week, obviously, or, or maybe we won't. Maybe he won't reveal it. But, um, yeah, that was that was big. I mean, and I, I think that, you know, that pace that Indiana ran, the, the, the defensive players were really having a lot of cramping issues. I mean, you saw Devin Bush kind of just drop there, and Metellus had an issue. So I um, hadn't really seen that since the Notre Dame game, I think. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I recall seeing quite a few guys having cramping issues. But, um, but yeah, Chase would be definitely uh, that's definitely a concern going in. And um, you got to believe that, that Quiddy Pay got so much experience with, uh, with Rashawn out and that, that he would have a chance to, to shine again against Ohio State. But, um, you yeah, time will tell. See where Chase is. Now, as we said, it was a very physical game. Uh, what did you think of that hit on Berkeley Edwards? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I understand where, where players are saying there's a cheap shot. I've looked at it again. I'm not sure if it was. I mean, I think it was a football play. I mean, I think it was, you know, it was a situation where I don't think the guy wanted to do that. I really don't. I mean, I'm not in his, in his helmet. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it, it's, um, you know, I think the, the gut reaction right away is, ooh, that's a cheap shot. And, you know, the Michigan players are upset because one of their guys is down. And, and you know, very concerning situation. But, um, you know, I, I, I've watched it. I, I'm not sure I'm going to say it's a cheap shot, Mike. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I want to go there with that. But I thought there were some, there was some, you know, I, you know, both teams get chippy. It's not just one team's chippy. So there was a little bit from both sides during that game. Well, the offense racked up over 500 yards, which is always good. But as you mentioned uh, a moment ago, the red zone inefficiency uh, was troubling again, wasn't it, Angelique? It really was. And I I think, you know, the last two games, um, I think Rutgers, they were four for four in the red zone in terms of touchdowns. And the week before that, Penn State, uh, I think it was five trips and, and four touchdowns. I might have that reverse, but, uh, you know, I think that you, know, you got the sense they want to be more productive, they're taking more chances, they're doing, you know, play callings more interesting. This just felt a little more stale, and, um, you know, you just wonder, why are they, they're in a lot of throwing along situations, too, and, um, but, you know, the positive is that a freshman came in and made six field goals. So, I mean, I guess there's that, but that is absolutely, you can't do that against Ohio State on the road. You can't leave points out there. And uh, I, so I do think that's a concern. But I, I sort of thought that was a concern all year. There were some games where you're just like, why is this happening? Why have they stalled right here? And uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's play calling. And Crown um, Higgins said there were miscues. There were drop passes. So there was some of that, to be fair. But um, I thought they looked more interesting in uh, red zone play calling the, the previous two games. One of the other things that I know bothers fans from time to time is the clock management. It's not mm-hmm. horrible, but you know, when Michigan got down at the end of the first half trying to get off that play, yeah. at first I thought, uh, watching it, that I cannot believe we blew that. But then when I right. saw it later in the game I, and replays, I wondered what was the uh, the officiating crew doing, and then the Indiana player kicked the ball <laughs> as, he's, uh, as he's placing it. So. Uh, even though clock management, I, ha- I know it's like okay. Well, maybe that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Exactly. 
Exactly, because I wrote it when I wrote my writing. I'm like, hey, you know, it was a mismanagement. It was just kind of a, a fumble, basically, on, on Michigan's play calling uh, part and on the yeah. management. But in the end, I think you're right. I think there was just a lot going on at the end, and, and that's on the officials to get that right. And they, and they didn't, I don't think. I mean, it did look like it was kicked. The ball was kicked. And, I mean, very clever, wasn't it? It was. It was. Pretty, uh, pretty good move. Um, but... Yeah, that was really bizarre because he definitely should have scored there. That was, uh, but the hit on McCune was really that was that was pretty. Uh, they came up pretty big right there because yeah. I thought for sure the play looked like it was designed well and he was going to mm-hmm. score, and then he just gets hammered there. So. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. There were positives as always. I mean, it was a W. That's the biggest positive. But young Jake Moody's performance, uh, <laughs> record-setting. And then I saw him after the game. I'd never seen him before with his helmet off. He looked like he was in junior high school. That's exactly what I said. I mean, sitting there between Rashad Gary and Shane Patterson, and I looked at my colleague, Wojo, afterwards. I said, is he, like, 11? I mean, what, <laughs> what is this? And, I mean, he just looks so young, and he looks so, like, like it, it was a big moment for him to be in the post game and, and in the interview setting, and you know it was it was cool. I mean, Shea Patterson patted him, called him the sniper. And, <laughs> um, and certainly, he didn't feel like the moment was too big, but no. he, he did look like this is pretty cool. Look for him, and um, and he was in, you know you can say that about every freshman. They were in high school last year, <laughs> but he looks. You're right, Mike. He looks like he was in junior high, and maybe even younger than that. He did come up big, which I suppose makes things yes. interesting uh, moving yes. forward for the game. Another uh, highlight I thought was Rashawn Gary's play. We've been, you know, hearing mm-hmm. for the last two weeks he's getting there. Might not be 100%. We don't know, but he sure looked 100% yesterday. He is definitely getting there. I mean, you know, someone asked him that the other day, are you 100%? He said, I wouldn't be playing if I wasn't. But, you know, he's had a brace on the shoulder, keeps it stabilized somehow. And uh, but I thought, yeah, I thought for sure this this past game, the Indiana game, was his best since the since he's returned from injury. And I guess that that goes with the fact that he's had another week. And I'm not sure how much they're having him do during practice, Mike. I mean, maybe you limit mm-hmm. him a little bit at this time of the season. I think a lot of the veterans do do not. I don't want to say take a breather, but um, you know they're not asked as as much to to hit and and to be as physical in practices because you got to save these guys. But um, I thought he looked—he looked more like Rashawn Gary than he has in a long time. To see, you know, since he, he had this shoulder injury. So, yeah, that was definitely a positive, and um, and that that's definitely important if because of the unknown about Chase Winovich now going into into the game, the game. Well, with us here on our game day segment as we get ready for the game on Saturday in Columbus is Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Well, Angelique, here we are, the game. Always big, some years bigger than others, but once again, uh, the Big Ten and national implications are huge, aren't they? They really are. I mean, this is really important. This is what this game is to me. It's always about, it's, it's, you know, whatever it is, the Rose Bowl in line, whatever, a Big Ten tie, whatever you want to, whatever. But this is just so significant for Michigan because of, of you know, getting to a Big Ten title game and keeping alive the national playoff championship mm-hmm. run and the hopes. And, um, you know, is that, gonna, is that moment going to be too big for these guys? I don't think so. I mean, I really think the one thing about this team, I, I noticed it in the spring and, and certainly in the summer when I was having conversations with some of these guys at, at the various camps that they were helping out at Michigan, they even detected something was special. And you know and I know that, Every year, the players say, oh, this is the closest group I've ever been around. This is, you know, we work so hard. And sometimes it's just 
they're just words. Mm-hmm. And this time I'm like, hmm, they really got it. And a couple coaches I talked to just chit-chatting, they said the same thing. There's something special about this group. And, you know, I think that what's been special about them is that they have really embraced the game-by-game mantra and the, and the week-by-week. And, and they see that it's by focusing on the next opponent and not diverting their attention to what's next, that they have had success. And so they have bought into it. And, um, you know, there is a lot of, a lot on the line, obviously, on Saturday, but I don't think that they're making this moment too big for themselves. And, you know, talking to some of the players after the game, Shea Patterson said, yeah, his first thing was, it's, a, it's another game. And then said, you know, I know what this means, but that is how you have to approach it. I, I mean, it's, it's the game, but it is the next game. Mm-hmm. And that's a cliche, but it's it's worked for them. Well, I watched most of the Ohio State-Maryland game uh, before um, our game Saturday, and I could not believe how Maryland was just torching that Ohio State oh. defense. And as Urban said after the game, that was alarming, wasn't it? Oh, wow, this defense looks really not so great. Mm-mm. And um, I talked to a couple people who covered that game, and they said the same thing, that that's, you know, that Michigan should have, not, not an easy time, I don't want to say that, but should be able to take advantage of this defense because it's just not very good. And and I don't know if it's just because Nick Bose is not there. I mean, I, I think everyone knows what one great player can do for a defense. You can, you know, look no further than uh, than Charles Woodson. I know that's going back a little bit, but um, I think that's the kind of effect that, that Bosa had on this defense. And, you know, he's not there. And um, it's just, it's, uh, you know, their offensive numbers are quite, quite good, but, Statistically, this defense has definitely shown vulnerabilities, and, and giving up that many points to Maryland was curious. I, I think Maryland has some really good skill players, and their return game has been very good for the last couple of years. They've got some guys who can do damage, as, as we saw. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Michigan's got to get this red zone offense going and, and be creative, and Shea needs to, to keep, you know, no interceptions, no fun, you know, you've got no turnovers in this game. And, and I think that they take advantage of this vulnerability of, of Ohio State. Yeah, you know, when you look at this Ohio State team, I mean, they're 10-1, and one, but they do not look yes. like a 10-1 and one team, do they? It's, you wonder, if a little bit smoke and mirrors, and, and uh, you know, they, they struggle. They've, they've struggled in games, and Indiana played them hard for about, I think, a half, or maybe two and a half quarters. And, um, yeah, it's just, you wonder. I mean, Haskins... I, I picked going into the season, and I and I do, I have to say, I hate making preseason mm-hmm. game-by-game predictions because mm-hmm. you really don't know what the product is. And, and you know, I really thought on, I thought this team could be really good, and but I wasn't prepared to say they were going to win every game or anything like that. So I had them losing in Columbus just because it's in Columbus and because of Nick Bosa and in large part because of, of, of Dwayne Haskins and what he was able to do in the Michigan-Ohio State game last year at Ann Arbor. And but I know I think you see a quarterback who's I don't want to say completely one dimensional, but he doesn't he doesn't have the JT Barrett, the the Troy Smith, that you know that X factor that uh, that can make a difference, a big difference in this game. But you know he's dangerous. He's a dangerous thrower. But um, you know what? Michigan's got the number one pass defense, so they haven't been challenged much lately. But they've made they've made pretty good quarterbacks look pretty marginal. So. That'll be an interesting matchup for me, to, I, I think, mm-hmm. to see on Saturday. Well, you know, all week we're going to hear about Ohio State's won 13 of the last 14. I mean, that's going to be repeated over and over and over. But they're going to be the underdogs this week. 
not by much, three and a half points, I think it is right mm-hmm. now. And really, mm-hmm. these these spreads don't mean a thing in this game, do they? <laughs> they really don't. And, you know, that was, that's the thing that you're on Mondays every year. I mean, I, I have been covering this team for a long time, and I feel like every Monday you're here, you just you throw out the record books, you throw out the statistics, you throw everything out. And, you know, you do. I, I mean, I've seen really great Ohio State teams play so-so Michigan teams, and Michigan wins. I've seen, you know, the other side of that, too. And, and you know, it just doesn't matter. And it's, um, yeah, you know, playing in Columbus, you think that's an advantage. And, and I think you're right, three and a half points going in. But I don't think that's going to be – that's not going to be the difference maker. I don't think that the, the venue – has anything to do with it. It's it's about how this team how these teams how they're prepared and how they maintain their focus, don't lose their cool during the game and it's you know, it's about turnovers too in a game like this. And um yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I mean I you know, I think there's some argument that you can say that Michigan should be uh, should be able to handle them pretty handily, but I think after watching the Indiana, Indiana game then people scale back and like, Oh gosh, this is this could be uh this could be a little more difficult than, than we think. So mm-hmm. um, time will tell, obviously, but um, I, I think they have a really good shot. Well, and I don't want to put too much on Shea Patterson, Angelique, but he mm-hmm. did come mm-hmm. here to win big games, especially in November, and I think yes. he really needs to be the difference maker in Columbus on Saturday. Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. And I've been saying, you know, this year, he's, he was a missing piece. He's made it happen, and, you know, we can sit there and go, wow, it's the offensive line. He's played so much better. And, and uh, Karan Higgins has done what Karan Higgins has done this year. And, and you know, the receivers have, have come into their own, and uh, Peoples Jones in particular. But it, the glue, the one that makes it all work is, is Shea Patterson. And, and I thought he would be a difference maker coming in. I, I watched a lot of his, his film from from Ole Miss, and, and I know it's a different offense, but you could just tell he had that, that ability to make something happen. Now, he hasn't really been asked to make something big happen. I mean, he led that comeback against Lewis Western on the road and led that last drive that, that the uh, the eventual game-winning score. So he can do it. Um, we saw him the first game of the season with a chance to win, and he fumbled, but that was the first game. And there were so many pieces that were not quite in sync at that point. But he loves this stage, mm-hmm. Mike. I mean, he loves the opportunity to make big plays. He wants to be that guy that has to make the has to make big plays has to make things happen he talked about that recently and um i think this is a game that he's he's going to have that opportunity and um again it's just to me it's about staying in the offense and that's what he's done so well he's done what they've asked him to do and nothing more because he knows that defense backs him up and it backs him up awfully well he's one of the two keys to the game of course on the offensive side but on defense I don't think the defense has to shut down Ohio State. I don't know that they can. That is a very good offense. But they must be disruptive and pressure Dwayne Haskins because in all the Ohio State games I've seen, I don't see many teams getting to him. He's able to stand there in that pocket, and he can pick anyone apart when he does that. But that Michigan defense at least has to make him uncomfortable and move around. Well, and that's what they've done. I mean, I think that's been their M.O. You look at Hornibrook. I mean, you look at McSorley. Their numbers were way down. I think Thorson was probably the, the only quarterback who had some success. Um, but And, you know, even that wasn't great success, ultimately. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're going to take away the run. I, I think that the Ohio State hasn't been convincing as a, as a proficient run team. And um, But, I, yeah, I think that's going to be the whole goal. And, and I think that's where Chase Winovich's availability will be important, too. I mean, that's, 
you know, something I think he's been salivating to make life uncomfortable for uh, for Haskins. So, but yes, that's absolutely, in my mind, a, a major factor because you're right. He hasn't had to deal with that. And how will he respond if he's getting harassed like that on the field? So, um, you know, that'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how Don Brown, how Don Brown mm-hmm. comes up with this plan to go after him. How big of a game is this for Jim Harbaugh, Angelique? It's huge. I mean, it's, it's absolutely enormous and it, it, no, by no means I'm saying is he in, uh, you know job security that's not that's not it at all but it's just in terms of legacy and 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 record and, and knowing that a couple of years ago they had a chance they had a very good chance and for whatever reasons whichever you know was JT short or was it you know the officiating was it just not being able to finish games I mean I think that's that's the difference this right now he's got a team that's so well oiled a team that can play hard in the fourth quarter an offense that, that can stay, keep the defense off the field and consume the clock and get those first downs that they weren't able to get a few years ago. And so, I mean, I think it would be a, an ultimate disappointment for him knowing that he has this team that's capable, so capable, and not coming through. And and that, that's beyond like what his record would be. I mean, they got the Michigan State win this year and, you know, the revenge tour and all that, but yeah, I mean, I just think he would be—I think he would be just beside himself knowing what he has with this team. Because if he doesn't do it this year, um, I mean, I, I'm not saying they can't do it next year, but this is the year they have to do it, Mike. This is mm-hmm. the best team they have. Well, final question for you, Angelique. As we said earlier, Ohio State's won 13 of the last 14. Our, our Buckeye friends remind us of that all the time. <laughs> but. Uh, at some point, the worm has to turn, and I know you don't like predictions. Mm-hmm. I don't either, but does your gut tell you it turns this Saturday in Columbus? My gut does tell me that, and and I, I did, you know, obviously I came in the season thinking, oh, they'll lose in Columbus for whatever reason I said that, as I, as I pointed out earlier. And, yes, I think that um, I think this is an Ohio State team that will be well, well prepared. I mean, Urban Meyer understands this rivalry as well as Jim Harwell and he puts a ton of focus on it year-round. And, I mean, they've got the Michigan-Ohio State highlights playing on a loop in Columbus. He talks about it all the time. But um, but that's talk. And, and I think that, that, you know, as I just said, I think this team, this Michigan team, is very well equipped. I, I'm not saying that the offense is, is you know, lighting, lighting the world on fire. Not at all. But I think that they've just been very efficient and, and you know, closing the gap with the elite level of play from the defense and that to me is the biggest thing and they've complement each other well and they don't panic and um, I think those are very very good and, and important ingredients going into Columbus you know how crazy and hostile it is there and uh, yeah I'm going to give them the edge and I you know I I think that they could uh, I think they'll win by nah, I don't I mean, they're starting to think they can win by 10 I, I really think that um it could be a substantial win for Michigan. I don't have a score yet for you. I haven't seen a rub the crystal ball yet, but I think they could have a substantial win. Well, I think most Michigan fans would be more than happy with a 10-point win down there. I think we take a <laughs> one-point win. It doesn't matter. but A one-point win would probably work, right? Yeah, that, that, would, that would do it, too. But uh, as always, it's going to be a huge game, more so this year than it has been for quite a few years. So we shall see. But as always, Angelique, uh, on the week of the game, it's wonderful to have you on. Of course, it's 
Thanksgiving interrupting uh, the Michigan-Ohio <laughs> State game week uh, on yeah, Thursday. How dare that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not used how to that. How dare we have to give thanks? Come on, it's a football <laughs> week. But I hope you and, uh, and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, spent together, and we look forward to getting you back at some point after the game, and hopefully we are talking about some postseason play, which would be uh, absolutely incredible. Well, I would love to do that, Mike, as you know, and I appreciate you and and uh, certainly wish you and your family and, and your listeners a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. But, you know, just eat a little bit and get ready for the game. Let's, let's move on. I will lo- <laughs> load up on the turkey and dressing, so we'll be ready. But happy Thanksgiving. As always, Angelique, thank you for your time. Thanks, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Jim's Monday presser and on his radio show, he said Chase Winovich would be monitored this week. What that means is anyone's guess. I don't think we'll know until Saturday if he's going to play. Jim said Berkeley Edwards was at meetings on Monday and he seemed fine. He will not be in uniform this Saturday. Joan Bushel Beatty left Saturday's game early and there has been no update on his condition. It was a physical game against IU, but other than Chase and Berkeley, no other serious injuries reported. On our visitor segment Thursday, for the 10th year in a row, our guest will be Buckeye beat writer Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. If there are any injury updates, I'll have them for you at that time, and we'll keep an eye on the game day weather. As of Monday, the weatherman was forecasting rain and temps near 50 for the game. Besides being Michigan-Ohio State week, it is also Thanksgiving on Thursday, so for one day this week, We'll all take a break from football. At least I will. I'm Lions-free, so no football for me on Thanksgiving. But I would like to take just a moment to wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoy the day surrounded by friends and family, and then get ready for the Buckeyes on Saturday. As I said earlier, it's time. And I think we're going to have our day down in the snake pit on Saturday. So make sure you join us on Thursday for our Visitor's Edition with Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. That will do it for this edition of the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Again, have a very happy, amazing Blue Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see you back here on Thursday with our final thoughts on the game. So until then, take care, and as always, go Blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!